Hey everyone and welcome to our another freshest, tastiest and most amazing episode of 2021. How do we work with effective metrics? How do we set up effective metrics in 2021? We have some guests here with us on this podcast. Pavel, do you want to take it away? Let us know who you are. Yeah, hello everyone and Olya Kartika, hello, thank you for inviting me today. Uh, my name is Pavel Golenishev. I am an organizational psychologist by education. Previously, I worked as a senior consultant at IBM Connexa, specializing in talent management consulting. And I've worked with over 20 UK multinational companies on their employee engagement survey design, data analysis, and strategy based on behavioral science insights. Uh, in my approach, I bring in expertise in people analytics and in coaching and communications training to really helping organizations create engaged teams and make sure that they're measuring what they need to be measuring to build those amazing cultures. Thank you so much, Pavel. That's amazing. And that is the reason why we thought you would be a great guest for talking about effective metrics uh, and how to put them together. Karthika, take it away. Tell our audience what they're going to learn in this episode. It's exciting because we have Pavel here and he has such great insight. And um, we thought it would be best um, with his knowledge, and, you know, working with IBM as well. And um, he has great metrics and analytics knowledge so this week's um, episode we're going to be looking into the people metrics and um, developing your survey questions um, looking at the practical tools that we can use um, and what is the fundamentals um, that we can implement um, in this change transformation um, especially when we look at metrics and analytics um, and, you know, this is a follow up topic because we were talking about the strategies for 2021 and um, one of those strategies in the people function should be what metrics do you need to be getting, what are the analytics you should be using um, and, you know, getting that data integrity right. Um, so, you know, we've got topic one, which we're going to be thinking about um, your metrics and analytics. We've got topic two. Um, is developing your survey questions and topic three is actually actionable practical tools that we can be using as well and all the models we should be thinking about um, when implementing these metrics and analytics. All right so let's get started so I, I'm really rearing to go because Pavel we've got um, he's a wonderful guest on um, and he he has some really great insider knowledge on this so um, Pavel, tell us what you're thinking about metrics and analytics and um, how, how it's developed in organizations. Yeah, thank you, Kartika. So when we talk about uh, the question of analytics and people analytics in particular, that idea of measuring employee engagement, employee experience, how are people feeling about their leadership and their uh, prospects in the organization, uh, there's been a lot written, a lot said in the last few years and perhaps a decade about the importance of measuring that. Now, uh, thinking back, I remember in about 2015, 2014, the conversation was sort of just starting about the importance of people analytics. We were measuring employee engagement before that uh, and that's been there for a while and we sort of already understand the importance of that. 
now the people analytics, the sort of combining all the HR data out there, measuring what's going on for people, measuring people's performance, combining those different data sources, hasn't been around for that long. Some organizations are uh, already have something, they have data scientists working on it. Other organizations are still just understanding what's happening. But now in, uh, we're in the beginning of 2021, uh, Questions like employee well-being, employee performance during and despite remote working are incredibly important. And now is really the important time for measuring employee well-being, measuring their confidence in uh, their leadership's ability to drive them forward and measuring how well organizations are doing when it comes to having those strong, sustainable people cultures. And something that's really important here is for us to understand that while today we are focusing on talking about metrics and people analytics, it's so important to keep in mind that employee engagement isn't just about measurements. It isn't just about asking questions to understand how people are doing, but it's one of the most important first steps in making sure that your people are engaged, are happy at work and are performing at their best. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you, Pavel. Like everything depends on the action you take. Um, and, you know, you said it right. It's, you know, not just about questions. Um, and I know when we say we're developing surveys, we always think back to questions. But really, I want to um, give everyone the knowledge um, because we hear these terms, metrics, data, analytics all the time. And sometimes um, it's really easy to confuse these words, um, because they're all very similar, um, but we need to figure out how they fit into the organization, really. And these words are very important to define, um, to actually know how we can action them in the organization. So it's really quite simple. Data is a set of numbers. Um, they might be formulations that are collated for a specific, for a specific metric that you want to be taking. For instance, um, you know, if you had a talent team, um, their metric is the time to fill um, on a certain role. Um, the data behind that is the time or the number of days it takes to fill that role. Um, so that's the data and that's the difference between the data and the metric. Um, therefore, you know, your averaging TA team's day, uh, days to fill the role becomes such an important data set for that particular metric. So when you hear people, leaders and executive teams say they want data integrity, and I've heard this so many times being used, everyone goes, we want data integrity. And, you know, it's very important. It's because without the data set, there is no true metric and the people function can't exist without metrics. Um, analytics, however, and, you know, this is the difference between metrics, data and analytics. Analytics comes after metrics. Um, have been produced. So analytics, so after that data set has come through, analytics, you can then assume it's the analysis of that data set. Um, so you're finding patterns, you're finding trends specifically, and analytics is more, I would say, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it's more subjective in some sense mm -hmm. um, and involves some, some of that deeper level of thinking to resolve why behind your data. 
um, your data shows sort of the TA teams, you know, this example, your TA teams average is pretty high, the metric is pretty high, and you're trying to find out what, then you, you look at the analytics, and then you're trying to find out what the challenges and the roadblocks um, to establishing why that metric is so high, um, or areas you can solve quickly. And one area I think organizations are focused on at the moment is build, building out those data metrics and analytics. And I think it's important as a foundational process early on in any organization that you go to is to build a HR dashboard. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies now are thinking, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Pavel, you've worked on a few, um, but these HR dashboards of some sort, and you're, you're then taking that human error out and you're taking time to build the right metrics, look at the data and build the right analytics that you specifically need as an organization to build. Um, and I think these are these are relevant, you know, areas that, you know, because I think some people think, what, what's the difference between a metric, data and analytic? Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. I think when do you want data integrity? <laughs> when do you want it? No. <laughs> but like oh, both of you are mentioning that also with all of that, with data integrity, with correct metrics, with um, like good ways to analyze the process, you're both mentioning that action has to be taken as a result and um, and the right sort of right metrics and right things are going to give you some sort of more perspective about what actions you need to be taking. And here where is where I recommend to our listeners to try and put your strategy in place there. So how do you envision your teams or your senior leadership take your analysis forward and turn it into OKRs and turn it into actionable steps? And one thing I was... Um, was speaking about with uh, with someone recently was about how every company is so so unique and every individual in that company has their own certain sets of beliefs and behaviors so aside from the way that uh, your culture impacts how your people perceive your new action plans and your new processes and things like that so not one company is going to do these things in the same way and there should not be a blanket approach from you either. You have your own bespoke model for unraveling the meaning behind that analysis. And you have your own unique ways to mobilize your individual teams into actioning anything on the back of it. Um, my mind, the beauty of being able to analyze something means that you're also able to learn from that analysis and to change things for the better. Can you ever change things for the better if you're not asking the right things in the first place? Uh, yeah. What do we even ask our people? And Pavel, could you tell us how do you or how did you in your experience develop survey questions? Yeah, uh, that's a really important question indeed, Olya. It's like, I often like to like to remind those I work with that to make quality decisions, you need quality data. Uh, and uh, something that I thought is really important, what uh, Kartika mentioned, that analytics is subjective. The way we are choosing to work with the metrics when we are making sense of them, that's subjective. And that's fine. That's, that's part of the process. It's a science and it's an art. But we do want to minimize 
the sort of the amount of chance uh, that we are that we have when we are interpreting the data. So what's incredibly important when designing, say, your employee engagement survey, your people survey, is making sure that you're asking questions that are as simple as possible, that leave as little space for ambiguity as possible, so that once you get the results and you look at the dashboard, you know that you're measuring exactly what you thought you were measuring and that uh, what you see is something that you can really trust and indeed uh, use it to further develop your people's strategy. And there are different sort of pitfalls that uh, I've seen some organizations fall when they're designing their questions. One of them is trying to sort of sound too smart, like using the corporate language. That's the worst. I hate uh, that. It, it, it really is uh, trying to use the corporate language in uh, and asking a question like, uh, I was working with someone who wanted to say something like, our managers really walk the talk in this business. And, oh. and they thought that would sound very well. And, but the thing is that they wanted their survey translated into 20 different languages and good luck translating an expression like this one into other languages. So things like that, uh, are really important to take into consideration. How is that going to sound to people? Is what you're asking open to others' interpretation? Uh, you want to minimize chances of that, and you want to make sure that there is a certain consistency in how you're asking questions, uh, that uh, the scale that you're using is as similar as possible, and really taking into consideration those little things that we may overlook sometimes when we are really thinking about the action we're going to take and how it's going to enable our strategy. But those initial steps in designing your survey and in knowing what sort of things you really be focusing on when you start getting all of those uh, great amounts of data coming in, you really need to pre-plan those things in advance to be confident in the quality of your data and therefore in the quality of the decisions that you'll be making. Pavel, I, I don't know if you have any experience with this, but I, I know a lot of people, you know, I've had people come to me and say, we want our surveys to look pretty or aesthetically pleasing. Um, but, you know, you said something which was very relevant and you said the flow um, keeps the flow of the information, um, you know, well and to keep it consistent, right? Um, you know, I, I don't understand why people think about the aesthetic is there is there a psychological reasoning for that or is that it's just it's just that, like made redundant and people just want things to look pretty I don't know if you have any information on that yeah sure that's a great question so I'd say that aesthetics aren't like the main thing to worry about but that's definitely something important uh, because say if you are asking people to, to take out 20 minutes, 30 minutes of their time, uh, even 10 minutes to answer a few questions so that you can gather that information. They do want to have a better experience of web pages working well, all of those little technical bits. Like right now, many people are used to taking surveys on their phone and you want to make sure that it, that looks good. But that's, while it is important, that's not the main thing, the main thing about the experience is making sure that the person is as 
is answering the questions uh, in a consistent way. If mm -hmm. you're asking one question for which you would like the answer to be agree and another question for which you'd like to have answer as disagree with people being likely to be answering questions quite quickly, chances are that people may put a wrong answer in the other one. Now, this may not always be the case, but if you're dealing with a large amount of responses, a large amount of data uh, coming in, there is a chance that this is also compromising the quality of your data. And you do want to take those little things into consideration. Right. And I, I, I've heard like a lot of the times people saying, um, you know, uh, ask one question in two or three different ways when yeah. they develop the survey. Um, how good is this tactic, do you feel? Yeah, so I'd say it's a good tactic. Uh, so there are different uh, surveys, different questionnaires for different purposes. If you're, uh, if it's a psychometric test of sorts uh, or something to measure person's motivation, uh, person's perhaps leadership ability, you and you're using self-report questions, then that's a good idea to really measure how they're answering different questions and to see, make sure that they're still uh, that they're still giving their attention to it. Mm -hmm. Now, with an employee survey question, you would want to ask one question clearly. You want to keep it as unambiguous as possible. So, for example, if you're asking a question like, uh, say, you want to measure your people's well-being and you're asking and the statement is i am feeling physically healthy and productive well that's not a very good question because a person may be feeling physically healthy but not productive or they may feel productive and not physically healthy and that's really affecting people's response they may be more likely to give up answering your questions or they may not know uh, what they should answer and that again compromises the quality of your data so you want to be careful with things like that and keeping it as short as possible but not too but not too short so that you don't ask what you need to be asking and that's where it's really important to think about things like continuous listening when you're asking just maybe four or five questions every now and then and hoping that people would reply in that way and this way you can uh, track the responses over the long time in a way that's less intrusive, that's taking less time from people and prevents you from having survey fatigue. And that has its own pluses and minuses and ways of managing it. But what's incredibly important is making sure that people don't feel, oh no, that another HR initiative, like that another HR oh, thing yeah. I just have to be doing. You want to avoid that. You want to make sure that there is a buy-in and everyone believes as much as possible in the importance of your listening efforts. Agreed. And I think when you're developing your survey questions, it's all about engagement. And, um, you know, for me, developing survey questions has become quite a qualitative task. So it's a lot of critical thinking task for me. Um, and as Pavel mentioned, it's, it's about quality data and um, data integrity pieces. And, you know, um, I know some of you, HR managers probably like thinking, oh, not that word again, data integrity. <laughs> um, but it is about data integrity. And as I mentioned before, what data integrity actually means in, in the grand scheme of things, it's quality data. And to get quality data, you need a quality metric, right? So you can't just go out and fetch data without having the right metrics that you want to build within 
into your survey. So understanding what is a spe specific metric first, and that's how I've always developed questions. What do you want to actually measure? Um, and then getting that data, because the data doesn't lie. Um, it, these are quantitative, right? So when you're going onto data, they become quantitative and qualitative is your critical thinking and how you're asking these questions. And then finding out why your data is what it is, and that's your analytics. And asking the right questions to why your data looks a certain way is then even more important. So agree to keeping it simple, um, keeping it precise, avoid questions that formulate maybe a bias, um, as Pavel was saying, you know, you can ask these open-ended questions, but make sure that you're not leading someone into a bias or pushing them into a certain way. Because again, um, you can take, and I, I've noticed even when I was developing um, questions and, you know, when the psychology behind it, you take a lot of your preconceived notions um, as to why um, that data might look that way. And you think about, and you're thinking, you're not thinking about the bigger picture and who that data has come from. Um, if you think and see a trend, use questions to see if that is true, but avoid putting in that like bias narrative to it. Just because you want to see your hypothesis is true doesn't mean that you can uh, navigate a question in a certain way. And I've seen that happen time and time again. Um, because a, a certain, you know, you see a certain trend um, already coming about due to sort of the metric or, you know, you've done some analysis on it um, and you see a pattern emerging, um, you know, then you start, sort of start asking questions that become quite biased and you want a, a person to answer a certain way. Um, I don't know, Pavel, if you've you're ever engaged in that or Olia, if you've ever engaged in that either. I think for me, it's um, when you guys were saying about asking the right questions or putting the right metrics in place. So what do you actually want to measure? I, I think one suggestion for me is to ask people what they want to be reported to you on. So what, what their general feedback will bring. So I used this when developing uh, my engagement survey. So what I do is I go ahead and I ask people, what are the five things at work that literally make it or break it for you? What are the five things that you think are really important to you? And then kind of grouping them together and trying to make these into the five themes for my survey and this is the reason why i do it this way is because there is again no blanket policy on how you're gonna put these metrics together your company is a bunch of individuals with their own individual needs and things and and there is no such thing as kind of you know this worked for this other large company and and they have good results from it so let me just copy everything they have so when I asked kind of my team, what, what are those five things? And they're like, well, culture, my leadership team, my manager, my own team, my job and my growth. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so let me come up with some questions that could measure your current satisfaction with those points and provide you with maybe some free text to fill if there is something you want to say on top of that as well. I found it that finding out what people want to be asked about is the gem for your future planning and, and people's strategy. What do they want to tell you? Uh, why does it matter to them? 
how much does it matter to them and what all of that means holistically for your people's strategy and for the things that you're going to be going forward with. Um, I think this is kind of brings me nicely onto some actual practical tools that maybe we can offer our listeners today uh, for how are we going to put these things together? How are we going to do effective metrics in 2021? So just let's, let's run through our beautiful brainstorming here and <laughs> let our listeners hear. Uh, so do you guys have any good practical tools for, for getting this set up? I'll let Pavel go first. Yeah, uh, so when it comes to organizing your employee engagement survey, your listening efforts, it's incredibly important to keep in mind all of the things, like all of the little things that you need to take into consideration and have a plan for them. Something that I recommend using to organize your thinking, organize your strategy and the workflow is the three C's framework, the one of context, content, and collaboration. So three C's. By context, we mean making sure that you're using right interventions at the right time. Sometimes the survey might be the best way to go forward when you need that sort of overall understanding of how things are with well-designed, pointed, quantitative uh, data gathering questions. And you want to make sure that you're asking those questions in the right time, not on a Friday afternoon when nobody wants to receive another email or a prompt to do something. Or sometimes you need to remember that maybe uh, just an empathetic one-on-one -on -one conversation would be the best for you to understand what's going on for your people as opposed to making them fill in the survey. So keep that in mind. Just because uh, a police survey can be a really powerful tool doesn't mean that you should be using it, uh, applying it when there are other better ways of listening given the context. Now, the content, everything we've discussed so far, you want to make sure that you're asking the questions that aren't biased, that aren't leading the respondent to, res to reply in a way that you would prefer them to reply, but that give you a chance to really measure how they're feeling coming from that more neutral point and making sure that your questions uh, aren't too complex and are really measuring what you want to be measuring. And then the third C is that of collaboration. So that's making sure that everyone uh, on the senior leadership team believes in the importance of this initiative and is on board. You want to make sure that your people, those who will be answering the survey, believe in that. Oli is giving a great advice for making sure that uh, you're asking what people actually want to be asked. Yes. And you also want to remember that your surveys, your efforts at uh, gathering metrics isn't that another HR thing, but that's really something that's important for business. Emphasize that communicate that uh, throughout the process and before that, and make sure that the senior leadership and managers are on board with all of the, your people listening initiatives and support you in that. That I, I honestly can't agree more. Like I, the amount of times I've 
you know, because there hasn't been that collaborative effort, you always get this, it's just another HR thing that HR needs to be doing. Um, no, this is, this should be your leadership team out standing behind you, your executive team standing behind you, knowing the importance of why this is going to help. Um, you know, look, if you're a company and especially a scale-up company, um, these metrics are very important because, you know, if you're looking at series round funding, guess what? These metrics matter even more um, because the board want to hear it, right? So, and, you know, I love that, Pavel, you just mentioned that it's not just about survey questions, but it can be a one-to-one -one with somebody to get the full understanding. I, I just couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I think a lot of people functions put a lot of pressure on developing surveys um, without, and, you know, a lot of people functions develop surveys and they become not approachable anymore as a function. Um, and I've noticed that, that entirely that they've not becoming approachable because they're not doing the one-to-ones and as Olya said everyone's so different like there's no blanket approach everyone's really different everyone has their own you know feelings about certain things and it's a way you collect this data um specifically as well and I love that you said that and as I mentioned previously the only thing I mentioned previ previously was about the HR dashboard um I know a lot of companies are thinking through it and thinking about it. So it's about building this HR dashboard. Um, and you need to think about what ways in which you can actually collect data and from what part of the people function metrics should be implemented. Um, so for instance, you know, if you're looking at recruitment, you want a good ATS that has data inbuilt or insights inbuilt into that, that allows you to see the number of days from requisition to offer and the areas in which you have the longest period of times. Um, so when you're analyzing this data, you can build those actionable goals. Um, you Look, you might need a better HR, HR system, for instance, to help build your data around sort of the salary and pay gaps, for instance, or if you're looking at L&D, you might wanna look at a good performance management software that should be able to, again, give you data and insights to see areas of the business or leaders that need more support. So you need to look practi practically to build your HR da dashboard. You may actually need different tools, but assign reports to those managing that software and collate that information on, I would say a quarterly basis. And if you have a resource, then a monthly basis. And that should make the whole area for your uh, HR dashboard. Um, you know, and I think you can have different tools, but put them together and that's your HR dashboard right there. Thank you so much for this, Karthika and Pavel. I think you guys, you gave some really good food for thought, <laughs> not only for people who are listening right now, I hope, but for me as well, I'm going to take some of those tips out. I, I can highly recommend myself to have an HR dashboard. I keep some really good sort of metrics in there for me to see how my candidates are doing in their candidates journey, how they're, how people are doing with their onboarding journeys, uh, how all of our recruitment is working. And it's just good to see this later on when you've got some data and you can take a look at it over the last six months or something and just see how, how you've been doing. And sometimes it's just better to put it all out there than, than carry these things in your mind. 
I think the final tip from me, uh, we've spoken a little bit about making it not another HR thing and really getting that buy-in from your leadership team. And let's say your leadership team understands that once in a while you send out a survey to collect feedback, you kind of do it at your own accord, you ask them to please make their people reply to it. This is what they're used to. This is what they've learned about your process. So how do we put it full circle? How do we make it actionable? So uh, this is something that I do, for example, what I do is I onboard all the leaders uh, onto the entirety of the process. Engagement survey is not only a survey, there is like a whole other steps. So let's look at them. Questions are created, one, questions get asked, two, great. You found feedback, that's three, you've analyzed it, you, get, you sorted it out per department, and now explain to them, now it's your turn. You get taken through the analysis and through the feedback. And then guess what? It's your turn again. You come up with an action plan that will be actionable uh, for your specific team in your department. And you will become accountable for that action plan because you came up with it. So like you're going to be doing this and you as an HR person, you're going to be there guiding them through it. Then very important for me is present the feedback you've collected, the scores and the action plan uh, for the rest of the company. This is where you show that honesty and transparency. Don't hide the engagement score or feedback you've collected from the people who gave it to you. It just builds so much more reassurance and confidence in the HR function as some function that's doing something. When people actually get to see, oh, I wrote that, that came from me. Ha. You saw it. <laughs> this it just it, people people like it. They like to see that whatever they're saying actually gets shown somewhere. But then the next time that you send another survey out in a few months time or whenever you send another one out to repeat that whole process, mention what has been done as a result of the previous feedback. So something that I do, for example, I send an email and I say, hey, this is your engagement survey for let's say Q3, just to let you know in Q2, based on the, the feedback that you've given us, we have done A, B, C, D. I really hope you've noticed the difference. Let's Let's make you three better. Let, let's let's give us, you know, spill your heart out. And don't forget it's anonymous wink. So that's kind of just something that I recommend you take the leaders through it from the very beginning. It's not enough for them to just know that the engagement survey exists. They need to be taken through the entire process so that they know what the process is like. And once it's all set, you can scale it and you can actually achieve their contribution towards these action plans. Um, that's just a little two cent for me. <laughs> uh, Guy, go on. I love that. I, I actually think, you know, the way you've said that is exactly how it how it should be and getting your leadership on, you know, um, and it's a little competition with leadership, isn't it? Like, okay, like this quarter, you did this, this was engagement, like, you know, maybe you didn't do so well. Next quarter, let's do better. Like, it's like encouragement of like, let's go. And, you know, you know, you've achieved something when your leadership want to get involved and collaborate with you you know you've done something good um and i think that that's the best feeling 
because then you know everyone is collaborating and um, I always say that people function is the most collaborative of functions in in the business um, and they have to be because they care for the people um, so I, I'm really glad you said that actually Alia. I I'm just great tip. yeah I'm just happy we have this way of uh, spitting out all these things <laughs> at our audience so sorry guys just get to hear uh, all, all that's on our mind and thank you so much Pavel for joining us for this episode and for helping us understand how to uh, produce some effective metrics and, and and how to bring them into 2021 in a new strong refreshed amazing <laughs> way um audience thank you for listening we spoke to you today about just metrics and analytics and what we in general think about those two subjects we talked to you about developing survey questions uh, and we've given you some practical tools and that's why we do these episodes because we want to give you some actionable tips and advice and 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 we love you for listening to it <laughs> um so here here it is to you guys um thank you guys as always um though just don't don't forget to um you know connect um with pavel as well because he 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 is an amazing um business coach and honestly um you know he has a lot of insight so um definitely if you're looking for a consultant he's he's your guy um but yeah um also connect with ollie and i um on linkedin you know where to find us as per usual um, and we always want to hear your feedback and thoughts after every episode um, and let us know what you want to hear next as well yeah, yeah. and uh, thank you everyone for listening and Olya Karsika thank you so much for inviting me for this conversation it's always a pleasure to talk with you about people matters and to hear how passionate you are about making sure that we all create better organizations for the future thank, oh, you. thank you thanks for coming on it was a great episode, guys. Love it. Bye, everyone now. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you next time.